Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to the podcast or you're watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan. And as always, I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, aka Mo. How's it going today, Mo? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing really well, Amber. It's good to be here and I'm ready. Let's talk about leadership. All right. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about leaders being committed and being all in. And we made the statement that dis- the leaders have to make the decision to commit to leadership. And I understand that you've been having some conversations with some of our listeners about that particular issue that, okay, we want to commit, but how do you really make decisions once you've committed? And I was thinking about, you know, a lot of the decisions that we make come from an original decision. Like I decided to be a parent and then I had to decide every single day to parent, which is a very different thing, being a parent and actually parenting. And so I make decisions all the time that are based on that original decision that I'm going to commit to being an active parent and do everything I can to not screw my kids up, (laughs) right? So I I know this is not a parenting podcast, it's a leadership podcast, but I think the correlation is the same, that we have to make a lot of decisions based on that original decision to commit. But you've been talking to people that are a little bit frustrated. Well, then how do I do that? How do I make decisions? So talk to us a little bit about that frustration they're encountering. Sure, I think uh, one of the things that comes up all the time when I talk to leaders about decisions is that much of the time they really are just faking it and not making it, <laughs> meaning they're not making the right decisions or good decisions or they're not making any decisions at all. And so you need to have confidence. And it's it's important that um, if we're going to do that, we know how to do it correctly. And so I did a little bit of digging into my own decision-making process. And so I thought it might be helpful to share that with our listeners today. You have a decision-making process. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Mr. Intentionality, everybody. You know so, it. <laughs> I mean, I think we think a lot about the decisions we're trying to make, but I don't know that very many of us have an actual decision-making process. So today we're going to talk about the fact that leaders are decisive. So I'm sure your decision-making process has at least three steps that we all need to do. <laughs> Always. So, so can you tell us what is the first step that leaders need to take in to make really good decisions? Yeah, the first thing that leaders do is they do this. Leaders utilize resources. And now when I talk about resources, it might be a little bit different than what you've heard about resources or even kind of what we've talked about in terms of resources in other podcasts. But the resources I'm talking today are people. And people fall into pretty much a couple categories for leadership. The first are who you follow. Who are the people that you look to, the men and women that you want to be like? And secondly is who is following you, right? Because you're not a leader if nobody's following you. So these are the most valuable resources around us. I often ask people this question. Who are the three most successful people that you know personally? And I'll bet that when you talk to them, you learn something new. 
right? Because those people have gone further than we have and they know what to do and they're successful. And so when I see successful people, I inquire. And if you've ever seen the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, in fact, you need to put that on your viewing list. If you haven't seen that movie, put it on your viewing list for this weekend. It's a great movie and there's so many lessons to learn and they're just not even just about leadership, but life. But Chris Gardner, played by Will Smith, is walking down the street in one of the scenes and he's in New York City and he sees this really young, cool guy um, pull up in a really nice car and he gets out and Chris says the following to this guy. He says, man, I have two questions for you. What do you do? And how do you do it? <laughs> to which the guy responds as he points up to the New York uh, Stock Exchange building. He, put, he just says, I'm a stockbroker. But, but that's not the best part. And that's not the lesson. And as you know, I, I love the lesson. and I'm always looking for the lesson. Chris then responds to the stockbroker. And he says, stockbroker, you probably had to go to college for that, huh? And the guy's response to, uh, to Gardner is awesome. He says, well, you don't have to be. You just have to be good with numbers and you have to be good with people. And holy cow, if that's not like the best leadership lesson in, in, in a movie, I don't know what is. Because the answer to every question when a leader talks to me about what it takes to be successful is very similar. It always comes back to a couple things. Like the stockbroker said, you always have to be good at whatever you're doing, meaning the industry that you're in. Stockbroker, grocery clerk, carpenter, TV repairman, whatever. You have to get good at your craft. But then comes the difficult part. If you wanna be a leader, you have to be good with people. There is no great leader that is not great with people. If I were to ask you in our audience today, um, how do people view you? Then we'd be able to understand really fast your effectiveness as a leader because your people have to like you. And they don't need to love you, but, but they can't hate you because you know for them, they have to want to follow you. And of course, you want your people to respect you and say, well, Mo, you know, I, my people don't like me, but they respect me. Well, yeah, but if you want to be a great leader, you need to become a people person because here it is. There are people that you see every day, your employees, your followers, anybody else that relies on you to be effective. And there's no way that you can be effective as a decision maker if you don't have the right people around you. And if your people dislike you so much that they don't even want to give you the information that you need, for instance, then there's no way that you're going to make quality decisions and you're not going to help your company and you're not going to help your team and you're not going to help yourself. Well, that's what Dale Carnegie talked about in How to Win Friends and Influence People, which we've mentioned a lot on this podcast. That's right. But he tells the story about Charles, Charles Schwab and how he, like he really attributed much of his success to his, what he called the million dollar smile. Like that's his right. personality and his charm and everything was, was so important to his success. So key to him being successful because he was so good with people, but he absolutely attributed it most to his captivating smile. Well, that's right. And we could all learn a lesson or two <laughs> from that book, right? That's why we always mention it. So here's the question for people today. Do you involve your followers in the decision-making process? And you know, did, did you know that, that employees, when they're asked to be a part of the decision-making process, they're just happier overall. And, and they're actually, they become better workers. All they want to do is be a part of the decision-making process. When is the last time that you ask somebody for their opinion um, or to help you tackle a problem? Don't be the leader that thinks that they have to be the hero, the lone ranger. You're only going to exasperate yourself. You're only going to frustrate your team and you're only going to make you're only going to make poor decisions uh, in, in, in the things that, that you're trying to, to decide about. 
And so utilizing knowledge and expertise that's around you every day, whatever it is that those people can give you and the, the advice for uh, in or outside of work, employees, coworkers, the people you see all the time around you, that's, gonna, what, that's what's gonna make you stand out as a leader. And when you utilize resources that are right in front of you, you get as much information that you can, and then you're gonna inevitably improve your ability to make quality decisions. And this is going to, in the long run, help you make a positive impact on your team, uh, yourself, and the company. Okay, so leaders utilize resources. What is the second thing that leaders do to make better decisions? The second thing is this, leaders utilize schedules. And so one of the things that I've learned over the years from John Maxwell is he says this, that time cannot be managed. It can only be controlled uh, in, in the way that you do things within your priority set. And so it doesn't matter how shrewd you are, you're only gonna have a certain amount of hours, minutes, seconds in a day. And so if that's the case, we have to approach our schedules with this in mind. And remember, if you can't manage time and you can only manage yourself and leaders, you have to manage your priorities then my encouragement to you is that you need to be better at figuring out what your priorities are. And so Amber, we kind of had a three-step process for you in this whole scheduling uh, part of the process. Take us through those three steps and how we really changed the way that you viewed your schedule in the past couple of years. Well, the first thing we had to do is we had to decide my priorities, or I had to decide, but I needed help figuring out with all of the things that come our way and can be on our plates, what is my priority in this particular season? And it changes from time to time, but I had to decide the priorities. And then I had to learn how to communicate them clearly and in advance. So when I would meet with people or when I was having to let people know, hey, I can do this, but I can't do this. I can meet with you from this time to this time, but I, I had to protect the other priorities that were on my plate. And then lastly, I had to calendar everything. I had to put everything in its place, even you know leisure activities and hanging out with family and friends. And that seems weird sometimes to you. I'm gonna schedule you in first, you know, to go to Panera <laughs> or whatever. But it's important because it says, hey, you're a priority, but it lets everything else and everyone else on your schedule know you're a priority too. And so those are the three things that were most effective to help me begin to utilize my schedule effectively. Yeah, and Amber, that really was very helpful in the way that you started tackling issues and problems. And so with that being said, you know, the question is for our leaders, are you priority? prioritizing each part of your job and your responsibilities properly because you have to do that. And I would say that the majority of people live in the urgent and not important category, and they spend a lot less time in the important but not urgent category. We're always trying to put out a fire, right? And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you need to pick up Stephen Covey's uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I do that today. It's such a great read, and he'll help you identify those different quadrants. And so the reason that this is so important is that when we start to figure out what's not important in business and life or whatever, it's going to start, you know, we get those things out of the way and we start being better at the decision making process. Meaning there's no such thing as a one size fits all approach to decision making. And unfortunately, I see so many leaders that use that approach. They have one way of doing things. They have one way of, of getting things done. And so prioritizing your schedule is going to 
help you be rigid like you like you'd mentioned amber so that you can allow time for flexibility to focus on other things that are important but maybe not urgent so when each instance arises then you're ready to make a decision on any decision point that you have and so it's going to allow you to evaluate properly the response that you have to give to that specific decision not just because this is the way that i know how to do things but you're going to learn different ways to add to your process so again, the question for our leaders would be this, on a scale of one to 10, how good are you at evaluating within the decision-making process that you have right now? So leaders utilize resources, leaders utilize schedules. So what is the third and final thing that leaders can utilize to help in their decision-making process? Yeah, this is my favorite one right here. And Amber, you know this because I love it. And here it is, leaders utilize uncertainty. And man, that is one of my favorite words, Amber, you know that I live by that word because this is how leaders make their money in the uncertain places in life. People are going to look to somebody when they are in times of uncertainty. And so the problems that we face in life always have to do with some kind of uncertainty, but people don't like that. It makes them uncomfortable. And that's why leaders and leadership is so important. Leaders thrive on uncertainty. And, and, and don't mistake me when, when, when I say that. They don't, they don't just deal with uncertainty. We thrive on uncertainty because it creates opportunity. Uncertainty creates opportunity. And it creates the opportunity to make it a positive impact on the people that you are leading. So Amber, Talk to me just a little bit about uncertainty and how we kind of started talking about that and how it changed you in the decision-making process over the past couple of years. Yes, well, I did not love uncertainty. <laughs> I can't say that I love it now, but I definitely am a lot more comfortable with it. And, you know, to go back to the the thing I said in the beginning about parenting, you know, I, I didn't know what to do as a young parent. I don't know what to do as an old parent, to be honest. <laughs> there are things every day that, you know, again, we're making decisions on that I'm not sure. But I learned that there are people that do know or people that can help. And so when I'm facing something that's new for us, I look around at parents that have already done it or I think are doing well. And I ask myself, what would they do? Or I ask them, what, what did you do? And, you know, Andy Stanley, a leader that we both love, he says the same thing about the leadership process, that when he's in a situation as a leader, and he's not exactly sure what to do, there's a high level of uncertainty, he asks himself the question, what would a great leader do? And I just think that's so helpful. And so asking ourselves, okay, what, if I were a great leader and I'm learning to be, but it, what would a great leader do if they were in my exact same situation? Yeah, and, and I heard a speaker one time say that leaders don't have the luxury of living with analysis paralysis we have to make decisions and that's what he was talking about because it's absolutely pertinent to, their, to everything that you do people are going to wait to see what you do and leaders often make decisions at, at they don't make them in time and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be in in situations where there's low moderate or even extreme uncertainty but whatever those situations are those times of uncomfortableness you need to be ready for them. And so the truth is that you'll never have all of the information or advice or pieces of the puzzle to make the decision that you think that you need to make. And as soon as you realize this and accept it for what it is, 
then you're going to be able to make decisions within those time constraints and any given circumstance. And it won't necessarily be the best decision all the time, but it's going to be a decision and you're going to learn for that. And then you're going to see that making those changes is really going to make you a better leader. So Mo, why don't you give us a little more of a practical example? Like how can we view uncertainty in a practical way? Yeah, leaders need to know how to become very comfortable with uncertainty. That's it, because this is a part of the process that's never gonna go away. Before, during, and after a problem, there's gonna be uncertainty. When you have to make the tough, the tough calls, time is the best teacher, right? And if we see that there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks out there and when it comes to leadership, but of course, this doesn't negate your responsibility to make good decisions now. But it does mean that you have you have to make decisions. And so the best thing that you can do is get as much of the information that you can with the time and the resources and the information that you have available to you and then make quality decisions so that you can put the team at least in the right direction. So once you're moving in the right direction, you can steer the car to make sure that it continues to go in that right direction. So the course corrections at that point are, are, are gonna be probably at a higher level of clarity because the opposite of uncertainty is clarity. And so you want the uncertainty, the uncertainty to be as low as possible, the clarity to be as high as possible. But Amber, you, you're really never gonna be 100%. So leaders, you just gotta get out there and start start making different different decisions within the problems that you face. Seems like a lot of leadership is about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. <laughs> so, okay, so leaders utilize resources, leaders utilize schedules, and leaders utilize uncertainty. So Mo, as we're ra wrapping up this episode, what are some of your final thoughts for us today? Yeah, remember that all of us are different and we have different habits during the decision-making process and some people go with their gut and other people don't. Some people need a ton of information. Some people don't need a lot, but there's some kind of, of sweet spot for, for that decision-making process for you. But if you're not thinking about the decision-making process, then you can't become a better leader. So my encouragement for our listeners today is to figure out how you approach the decisions that you have in your life and wh where you need to make adjustments to that approach so that you can start making better decisions. And I'll end with this. One of my favorite episodes of like one of my favorite series of all time, the, the series is called Band of Brothers and it's on HBO. And in, uh, in, in the seventh episode, First Sergeant Lipton, who is this, this incredible soldier, says about his commanding officer, so his direct boss, and this guy's name is uh, Lu First Lieutenant Dyke. And so First Sergeant Lipton says about First Lieutenant Dyke, he says, Dyke wasn't a bad leader because he made bad decisions. He was a bad leader because he made no decisions. And man, that really just resonates with me. And I hope it resonates with you out there today. So leaders, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Figure out your process, make good decisions, and manage those decisions. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.